Milo Vonnen, and welcome to 10CBF, a podcast for blended families. I'm your host, Joel W. Hallbaker, and I'm thankful that you're here. Each week on the show, I'll be bringing you expert interviews to encourage and inspire your blended family, along with some special episodes thrown in from time to time. If you like what you hear, please leave a rating review on iTunes or whatever platform you use. In the meantime, be ready to listen, laugh, and learn, and maybe even take a few notes. Ready for this week's interview? Then let's jump in. Milo Vaughn and everybody, welcome back to another episode of 10CBF, a podcast for blended families. I'm Joel W. Hallbaker, and today I'm really, really excited because I've got two guests on the show, uh, Heather Hetzler and Ed Vargo. Let me tell you a little bit about them before we get into our conversation. Uh, Heather is a writer, speaker, and certified life coach and has been working with Step Family since 2009. She's a monthly contributor to Stepmom Magazine and a co-author of Quiet Moments for the Stepmom Soul. Her upcoming book, Stepmothering, a cautionary tale, releases next year. She's also a money mentor with Enlighten Her, which we'll learn more about tonight, where she helps women develop a healthy money mindset. She began partnering with Enlighten Her in 2017, where she presented on Second Saturdays, helping women navigate divorce. Given Heather's focus is caring for a woman's emotional well-being, adding the financial piece helps her guide women, including stepmoms, to navigate their money relationship, which often grows more complex with stepfamily dynamics. She earned a BA in communications from Miami University and a master's in applied communication and methodology from Cleveland State and has 22 years of experience in family communications. You also may know her from the work she continues to do at Learning to Step and Sisterhood of Stepmoms. She has a passion for educating, encouraging, and empowering women. She resides in Cleveland with her husband, Rescue Dog, love it, and the last of their six children who will launch in 2022. And Ed Vargo is the founder of the Burning River Advisory Group and Enlighten Her. He grew up in inner, uh, inner city Cleveland. During the Vietnam War, Ed's father served as a sergeant military policeman in South Korea, where he met and married Ed's mother. Once back in the States, Ed's mother faced the challenges of being a first-generation immigrant who couldn't read or write English or drive a car. This instilled in Ed a deeply personal commitment to women's empowerment and is the powerful undercurrent running through Burning River and Enlighten Her. Providing customized financial solutions with a compassionate and caring hand, he's committed to helping women achieve financial independence. He's a frequent guest at companies, organizations, and conferences, as well as regular contributor to various media outlets, including the Associated Press, Money, CNBC, and Forbes. Ed and his firm, Burning River Advisory Group, have been awarded the Women's Choice for Financial Advisors and Firms every year since its inauguration. They're honored in being recognized as one of the first 100 companies in the country to receive this prestigious award. Thank you both for coming on the show, Ed and Heather. I'm really excited to have you guys here, and I'm looking forward to our conversation today. Thanks for having us, Joel. Yeah, I appreciate being here. Absolutely, absolutely. So um, I'm excited to learn both about uh, Enlighten Her, uh, which we mentioned in the bios, and also the work that you uh, both do in terms of helping step families and blended families, especially as it relates to finances. Because as our listeners will know, Finances is one of the leading causes of divorce, both in first marriages and beyond that. Uh, and as you mentioned um, in your bio, Heather, uh, the finances in blended families can get a little dicey. Uh, so if you guys will um, give me, Heather, I know you mentioned before we started that you're part of a blended family. And I loved also that you mentioned your rescue dog. We have two of those and they're delightful. Um, but if you can give us a little bit of background there and then, Ed, if you'll tell us a little bit of um, your work with blended families in terms of the financial help as well, that would be excellent. Sure, Joel. Thank you. So my husband, Andy, and I, we have been married almost 15 years. Mm -hmm. And when we uh, we were both single parents, um, I had four kids. He had two. 
we met, our kids were hanging out. I had no desire to date or ever get remarried, same thing. And then we fell in love and we thought, you know, this will be great. We love each other. Our kids get along, you know, this is going to be like the Brady Bunch. <laughs> and then we got married and right. it was anything like the Brady Bunch. Yeah. It's the hardest thing that really we had ever done. And we had prepared, we'd read Ron's book, which was like mm -hmm. the only one out there back then. Yep. Same. The good news was we knew what to expect when it happened. Okay. We just didn't think it was going to happen to us. Nobody does. <laughs> no. <laughs> and so just all the complexities, you know, one of the things that I like to say to stepmoms and just to step families in general is that a step family is really built on loss. Mm -hmm. And a step family can't occur without first a death, divorce, or an unpartnering. And where there's loss, there has to be grief. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes, even if the two adults have healed, the children haven't. Right. They don't often have words to articulate the loss that they're experiencing. So, you know, sometimes you think holidays are a great time to, you know, to get together and to build memories. But for, but for kids, a holiday is a reminder that my stepmom doesn't decorate the tree like my mom did. My stepdad, you know, he doesn't, he's not supposed to bake cookies. That's what my dad does with me. Yeah. And so we were really surprised and taken off guard by how much protection the kids had in terms of wanting to protect what they had before the right. other parent entered, entered. And, you know, it was really interesting. And, you know, we, we, we both wanted the same thing for our kids, but we realized that we had different kind of ways of getting there. Mm-hmm. One of the things that thankfully wasn't an issue for us was finances. We mm -hmm. were always on the same page with finances. And that was huge for us because oftentimes finances are a huge, um, they can be a huge problem in any right. relationship, right? And, you know, one of the things that I love working with stepmoms and bringing in the money mentorship is because, you know, when I work with stepmoms and, and when I work on, you know, myself, we're always working on our relationships, right? We're working on how to better our relationship with our husband, how to better our relationship with our, with our children, our stepkids, the in-laws, the outlaws. Mm -hmm. Well, we all have a relationship with money. Mm -hmm. We just don't think about it that way. Right. And so like when something good happens in our marriage with the kids, we're in a good mood, same thing with money. If we get, if we get a raise, we get a promotion, something, you know, good happens. We feel good about it. But if we get an unexpected bill or let's say in a step family that, you know, a stepmom and a step and her husband decide on, you know, how much money they're going to give the ex-wife. Mm -hmm. And she finds out that he's been giving her extra money. Right. And I think that's what we want to talk to. And that's called financial infidelity. Mm -hmm. Somebody is taking money and giving it to their ex or their kids and they're not telling their spouse. Right. And it's causing a great deal of stress and conflict in these marriages. And, you know, I know Ed's going to talk about this, but, you know, I oftentimes have seen where what happens is, you know, when you talk about this in, one, in your Ten Commandments, I say choose to believe the best, right? Mm -hmm. Choose to believe the best. But sometimes in a step family, we get so hurt, mm -hmm. our judgment and our perspective is clouded. And right. so we think, well, if he gave her money for those shoes, he was trying to hide it from me. He was trying to right. hurt me. He cares more about her. And the communication breaks down. The real, you know, the fighting is really a, is about the money, 
but it's more about the relationship that they have together, mm-hmm. the relationship with the money. And so I'm excited to talk about this topic of financial infidelity and how it's impacting you know, relationships in terms of blended families. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I'm excited to learn more about that because uh, in my blended family, I can see where that would be an issue, not so much in terms of giving extra money to, to my ex, but wanting to spend more on my kids than my wife want to. Uh, or yeah. than my wife might want to. So, um, Ed, tell us a little bit about Enlighten Her um, and tell us some about what got you into this in terms of working with, with um, especially with blended families. Also, can I just say, I, I loved part of your bio where you talked about the story of your mom and your dad. I think that's excellent. And, and I love learning that in terms of your motivation. Yeah, well, that's where Enlighten Her kind of stems from. Like, so I work for my primary role is as a financial advisor with Burning River Advisory Group. But in that world, we can only work with so many people. And Enlighten Her was sprung out of this idea that there's a lot of women out there who need a lot of financial guidance. And there really aren't a lot of resources for women in that respect. And so we started Enlighten Her with this mission sort of advocacy of helping women find um, their voice when it comes to money, to be empowered when it comes to money. Because, I mean, you mentioned it right off the start that divorce, the primary cause of divorce is still money today in first marriages and second marriages and so forth. And it really doesn't have to be that way. But mm-hmm. the reality is, is people aren't connected as enough to their mo- enough to their money as they should be. And mm-hmm. it's even more so in the, in the female space, because women have a tendency to, for, there's a variety of reasons why this is, but women have a tendency to, you know, take the financial side and say, well, the husband can handle it or the partner, you know, their partner can handle it versus them taking it on themselves because they're used to doing everything else. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Enlighten Her came about, you know, from this idea of empowerment, you know, because my mom, as you mentioned, um, what, what you didn't hear in that story was why when my parents got divorced, my mom had to give up custody of us kids. Mm. And the reason she did that is because she didn't feel she had the ability to care for us financially. Mm. Like it was an economic decision. And I didn't know that at the time I was so young and obviously you don't realize those things, but it's somewhat heartbreaking when I think about it today, right? Like a mother, my mother had to give up custody of her kids. And that's obviously bigger than that, of course, but the the primary driver of that was she wasn't able to take care of us financially. And Mm. so I think about that today in our work and I, I never want to see that. I never would want to see a woman, a mom have to make that same choice. Absolutely. And so that's the idea. Yeah, that's the idea behind Enlighten Her is we're out trying to educate women, um, whether in a blended family or not. But we mm-hmm. do a lot of work in the divorce space. We do a mm-hmm. lot of work you know, when, when post-divorce, pre-divorce, um, to try and get women prepared to make the best decisions financially as possible. And this topic of financial infidelity, it sounds somewhat inflammatory, right? The term infidelity is you apply it to finances and it captures people's attention Mm -hmm. in its simplest terms. It's really lying to your spouse or partner about money. Okay. And it has a different lens, right? Different ramifications in the blended family because blended families just have more complicated lives, right? So when you're in a, you know, first marriage, I don't, you don't have to worry about um, the ex-wife or the ex-husband right. and, and putting money there. You don't have to worry about kids from different families and um, maybe dollars going towards one child versus the other child and the infighting that that can bring, you know, it's sort of this favoritism idea that could crop up in those relationships. So 
but um, it happens across the board. In mm -hmm. again, in its simplest terms, it's when people hide their money decisions, their money habits, and uh, and clearly the what ends up happening down the road is if it ever gets caught, it's this big breach of trust, right? Right, and we know, and that's why it's akin to this sort of physical cheating or infidelity is that breach of trust. And money means so much to people, right? Because money has a unique place in our lives. It's unlike anything else out there because you can take your money and turn it into just about anything you want. Right. Right. So if you, you know, um, want to buy a car, if you want to go travel, if you want to get better educated, better healthcare, take care of your kids, other, you can turn it into just about anything you want. And so because of that, it has this unique power in our lives. And so when somebody takes money and it's usually not used for good, right? When somebody, <laughs> if you're hiding it, it's not normally something on the up and up. Yeah. Right. You know, every now and again, someone will, you know, hoard the money or, I mean, you don't see people like putting the money, investing it and growing it to a lot more and saying, Hey, look what I've done. It's usually I've right. you know misused it on something or another. And that becomes when, if that happens too much, now you're taking away somebody's goals, their dreams, right. their vision for the future. And that's why it has such a hold on people. And that's why when discovered in a relationship, it's often just as toxic as physical cheating. Okay. Um, so Heather, tell me a little bit more about, um, now that we, thank you, Ed, for the definition. Actually, that's really helpful both for me and for the listeners. Um, for those of you that are, that are listening, I want to repeat that. It was um, lying to your spouse or partner about money, hiding money decisions or habits. And the reason it's a big deal is because it leads to this severe breach of trust when it, uh, when it is discovered. Um, Heather, can you uh, expand on that a little bit or, or give me some examples of uh, where you've seen that and some of the problems that it's caused? Sure. So, you know, in a lot of the clients, the women that I work with and those that I can mentor on, you know, on the topic of money, what happens often is the husband and wife are just, they're fighting about things, right? They don't agree. Mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe the husband, let's just talk about the stepmom's perspective for a while. So the husband, you know, keeps saying, well, my ex wants more money or she wants more time or she wants this. And the stepmom just feels like her house is being controlled by the other woman. Right. Mm. And she starts to kind of almost put down her husband. Why do you let her walk all over you? Why, why, why? And the husband feels like he's getting beat up and he feels right. like kind of monkey in the middle. Right. My wife is mad at me. My ex is mad at me. So he wants to, you know, what do we sometimes do? Unfortunately, when we want to avoid pain, you know, we just don't say anything. Right. So I'm not going to tell my wife that the ex wants me to now pay for the new shoes that Johnny needs for basketball because I don't want to hear her ask me why I can't say no because right. I feel like a failure and it's you know it's a $60 pair of shoes so who cares well then Johnny comes over the next week and the stepmom notices oh you've got new shoes Johnny yeah daddy gave mommy the money for them ouch then she shoots him a look he knows right. what's going to happen they have a huge fight the little boy overhears it he feels like it's his fault. Mm. And then he says, this is why I don't tell you anything because all you do is yell at me. I never do anything right. You're so critical. All you want to do is micromanage me. It's a pair of tennis shoes. Get off my case. But she feels like she's been betrayed. Like, why is he hiding this from me? Right. And so it becomes this cycle where, you know, there's all this questioning. And so we want to avoid the questioning. So then we do something and then we get more questioning. And, and what it does is what Ed said, it breaks trust. Mm -hmm. And now the stepmom is like, well, if he lies to me about the $60 pair of shoes, what right. else? What else? Do? <laughs> what else? And maybe it's just those one pair of shoes, but 
it's and it's not even about the shoes it's about the money trust it's about the relationship that the two are having with their money right. and what's going and i see that over and over and over again yeah so ed can you um can you speak to that some in terms of when you see that um maybe what are some of the other causes of it or or how do you guys um try to help out in those situations yeah well the causes are many right because we we live difficult lives oftentimes we have stressors in other areas of our life mm -hmm. and as heather mentioned earlier people aren't very good at communicating about money they just don't mm -hmm. talk about it you know so it can be hard to get people to open up about things in general and one way people cope with their stressors in life is they spend money we've all heard right. of the term retail therapy right right <laughs> i just go to the store and buy some shoes or if i just buy this new audio system like they try and find ways to mask those other stressors in their life and they're not having conversations and of course they can't tell their wife that they went out and just bought this stereo system or you know the wife is scared to come home to get into an argument about buying another purse or this or that it creates this conflict right you know, so again there's a so many different reasons why this happens it tends to start small and build mm -hmm. over time you know and mm. some are clearly very destructive they're driven by you know real true addictions um, but others are just as simple as like, well, I, you know, I'm just not going to get into it tonight. And so I'm just going to do this and we'll deal with it later. And then that right. just becomes the next, you do it once you do it a second time, it becomes easier and easier and easier. Right. And uh, at some point, you know, people figure this stuff out. It doesn't always happen. Right. But at some point, yeah. well, there's a paper trail with this stuff or right. somebody sees a bill or you go and you try to do something yourself and they're like, oh, we don't have the money. We don't have the money. And you're thinking like, why, why don't we have the money? What's, what's right. going Where did on? Where go? Exactly right. You know, so now that person's thinking like, what's going on here? So now their antenna's up. They're looking at their spouse with a wary eye. Clearly not good for the relationship, right? That's not right. a good place to be. And then when it finally comes to a head, that's when, you know, the fireworks really start. And then there's no real conversation about the money. The real under, you know, the underlying issues that are going on, they're causing these issues. Um, you know, the, maybe the money spending is a symptom, but there's no conversation about it at all. Mm. So my recommendation is to, for, to avoid it, of course, at the start. And mm. uh, the way you want to do that is to get on the same page with money, have conversations about how are we going to handle our money? It should be an open book. Right. And right. we should because money means so much to us. And you have this shared life, these shared goals, sh shared vision for the future. And if you don't have that, that's probably a good place to start. Right. Get on the same page because you only have so much money. And if you can agree on the goals and the values that you have, and then if you agree that your money should support those goals and values, you can eliminate so many negative conversations, so many ways for this thing to go wrong. So as you talked about in a blended family, you're like, well, I don't want to give money. My ex-wife is, you know, on my case about this. So I'm going to sneak the money off to the side. Yeah. That's not really a money issue, right? Uh -huh. That's, that's the husband and wife not being on the same page with how to deal with that situation. Mm -hmm. And so the easy answer is to just hush, hush money, right? For lack right. of a better way of saying it, right. you're just going to put that off to the side and if you get away for it for a while, if it works just fine, but then it comes up, man, it just, you know, it just explodes on you. So I really think the st step one is to get on the same page about money. Forget about mm -hmm. the day-to-day. -day. Think about what's important to us in our life. What's valuable and meaningful for us. And then circle back and say, 
well, how should our money support that? Mm. You know, so one of the things, and I don't want to dominate the conversation here, but one of the things that I think or tools or techniques that makes a lot of sense is to come up with what we would call guiding principles. I do this in my own life. I think there's just so much power and wisdom and practicality to it. What guiding principles are, they're basically principles that the husband and wife um, decide upon together that they're going to go back to and use when they make their money decisions. So Mm -hmm. as an example, one of our guiding principles is experiences experiences over things. Mm-hmm. We value experiences over things. And so what, what does that mean? It means we will put dollars towards, and even significant dollars towards experiences with our family. I have five mm-hmm. daughters, right? So my life revolves around all those ladies. And I don't mind putting money that supports our, our time together. Mm-hmm. Where I don't put money is towards material things, right? Like um, some people really love cars. That's just kind of their thing, right? Mm-hmm. It's just not my thing. And it's not my wife's thing, but we know that up front. So when we sit down and we talk about purchasing the next car or putting money towards an experience with our family, if there's any sort of friction or concern, or maybe we get wrapped up in the moment, right? We get emotional on oh, that. That car really is pretty sweet. I'd really like to, it'd be convenient to have that. Right. Then we can just circle back and say, hey, let's just take a look at these guiding principles. It grounds us in the conversation. Yeah. It helps take that emotion. We decided on these guiding principles for a reason. Right. And we're going to refer back to them. And then we're going to make our decisions based upon that. Mm-hmm. And you don't need to have a ton of them. You know, if you have six to 10 of these guiding principles, whatever makes sense to you, mm-hmm. but it just can help diffuse that tension. Yeah. Because what happens in these cases, you have one party says, you're doing something wrong. You're spending money in a way that I don't agree with. And so why is that person the arbiter of what's right when it comes right. to our spending? So then right. it becomes an argument or you don't want to get into an argument. So you hide it. And then right. again, away we go. Yeah. So I think that's a, a really important part of this is get on the same page mm-hmm. and then have these real conversations about what your money should be doing for you um, and then work towards it. Yeah, I, I love that idea of the um, the guiding principles there. We, we joke, um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with a movie that came out years ago called Sahara. <laughs> Uh, or Sahara, and it's a it's kind of an adventure treasure hunt sort of movie. And at one point in the movie, the, the main characters are chasing down treasure based on these ridiculous clues they've come up with. And one of them says, "When are we going to reevaluate our decision making paradigm? Because we're you know we're we're in the middle of a desert looking for a lost Civil War battleship full of Confederate gold, you know, using as our map a cave drawing." And the guy's like, uh, "That's a good question. That's a kind of a ridiculous way to make a decision, but like." And that's what I thought about when you talk about the guiding principles. My wife and I talk about that. We call it our decision-making paradigm. Like what's the grid through which you come to a a conclusion about stuff? Um, And I love what both Heather, you and Ed both mentioned about potential problems that these families run into when they don't have those guiding principles or when they have conflicting ideas about how to handle some of those situations. And and Ed, what you described too about – the idea of, you know, a, a husband going, well, I just, I, I'm just tired of my ex, you know, getting on my back about this. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to pay for this and hope my wife doesn't notice. Like I can totally understand why that would be a thing. Um, and, and I'm not saying I've ever done that. Not necessarily saying I haven't done that. Uh, <laughs> but I, I love that. And, and Heather, can you speak to that some, and then maybe tell us um, some of the ways that you've helped 
uh, blended families overcome some of those situations because it's unfortunately and i'm sure you guys know this working with the um the area that you do it's easy to find stories of when people get this wrong but i also love for our listeners to hear stories about yes people have gotten it wrong here's how we help them get it right moving forward so they don't make that mistake again no absolutely and so what some of the coaching that i give that you know is sometimes you have to be the one to step forward right to 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 make amends and so mm-hmm. for the woman sometimes you know what is now a good time to talk get permission do a permission-based ask with your spouse hey you know what i recognize i've been pretty hard on you about and i know it's it's not in your control that your ex asked for things and I may have been making it pretty hard for you to come to me. But the bottom line is, I want us to be honest with each other. And you know, if I can kind of put a pin in it for a second, especially for a woman, when I work with a woman and I ask them you know, deep dive questions, if a woman has been cheated on prior, she is even much more tender in this topic. Mm-hmm. And she share that with her husband to say, you know what, I think when I find out that you're giving something to your ex and you don't tell me, it triggers something deep. And I know in my heart that I can trust you, mm-hmm. but these things, they, they hurt and, right. and they go against that. And they I touch just, on that old wound. Yes. And I want to yeah. make you aware of that. And I know that you would never do that on purpose. Like choose to believe the best in your spouse, be mm-hmm. vulnerable, share with him what, you know, how you're feeling and say, I don't want to make this rough. So, and I know that you can't control. And I know that maybe you just give her the 60 bucks because you know that if you don't, she's going to reign chaos in our home right so let's try this moving forward how about you know you just let me know if she asks for something and i'm going to be more supportive even if i don't agree with you i'm not going to interfere unless it's some kind of big ticket item but i do want to work with you and i appreciate that you're trying to keep her drama or her chaos out of our home Mm -hmm. but what i don't want is for there to be non-communication or dishonesty Yeah. And I think when you approach it like that and you share your vulnerabilities and you apologize for your part and then you step back and just let it sit with your spouse for a little bit, he's listening to you. Sometimes in the moment, you know, we may not say something, but just just leave that. And I think just trying to step forward and stepping into that. Also, what I love working with women is helping them develop a healthy money mindset, because Mm -hmm. like I talked earlier, we all have a money story and it's often crafted in our childhood so for me personally i was raised in a home where the man handled all the financials Mm -hmm. so when i would even start to ask questions you know my mom would be like you don't need to know money you're a girl you don't need to handle that your dad handles that for us when you grow up you'll get married and your husband will handle money and it's what i saw in my family it's Mm -hmm. what i saw my aunts and uncles my grandparents and then i went to college and i went to grad school and i graduated and I'm hearing terms, you know, from colleagues about 401ks and investing and mm-hmm. I didn't it met. Right. But I felt like I was too smart to ask. Like mm-hmm. I was supposed to know all this. So for a lot of women, we sometimes feel uncomfortable when we don't know something. And mm-hmm. so we just kind of say, maybe tomorrow I'll figure it out or, you know, I'll, I'll figure this out. And so when we don't necessarily understand money, we don't have a, a healthy kind of grip on our money that can also cause a lot of um issues in our marriage in our mm-hmm. relationship because we're all we all have that relationship with money we're navigating it but we ourselves don't have a healthy relationship with it and so right. i have found that once a woman can kind of do that deep dive understand what her money story is what's her relationship with money 
she's much better prepared to partner with her spouse and then also teach her kids. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes we tell our kids to save and don't overspend, but are we really teaching them about money? Right. And kids are living between two homes too, right? So they might see how mom spends money in her house and, and stepdad and then how dad and stepmom spend money. And it may be completely different. Right. And we may be in kids, you know, some kids are going to gravitate to the fun house, right? Yeah. They don't care that there's debt out the wazoo. Yeah, they, or just, they don't know. Yeah. They just know that they have the newest Xbox, the iPhone, they're going on vacation. Mm-hmm. They may have another home that's practical that doesn't have the new car, that has the used cars, but that home might be the wealthy home because wealth is really freedom. When we have wealth, we have freedom to pursue our dreams and our goals. And I think that those are things we need to teach our kids, but if we don't know them, those ourselves, we can't pass it on to our children. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so a couple of things that you mentioned I love. Um, You you said sometimes you have to be the one who steps forward and and makes amends. And the way you describe that, um, you you talked about encouraging communication with your spouse through approaching it compassionately. Um, And that really hit home because honestly, like my wife and I've had that conversation and that was exactly how she handled it because there are plenty of times when I've wanted, so I've got two teenage daughters, right? And teenagers are expensive. Ed, you've got five daughters. Girls are expensive in general, teenage girls, especially dude. Um, and, and in a two house kind of situation, it's very often when things come up where it's like, well, I would love to pay for something. I don't know if we can right now. And I don't know how my wife is going to feel about it right now. And especially, I'm not sure how she's going to feel about it. Cause my ex is the one who asked us to pay for it. And we thought she was going to, and like, it just gets real complicated, but I love the way you described it because I feel like that's exactly the conversation that my wife has had with me sometimes where she says, listen, you know, that I love our kids and I want to be supportive as well. I just need you to talk with me about these kinds of things first so that we can make sure we're on the same page. Um, So it was encouraging to me because what you described is what my wife has done, which I really appreciated. So that was kind of nice. And I I love the idea of helping women become more financially uh, literate, I guess would be the term. And not just women, but anybody in blended families, because, you know, it could it could be men just as well that, uh, as you said, a lot of times we don't learn it growing up. And so what we've seen is what we are used to, and that's what we try to emulate. And, and as a result of that, if we grew up in kind of a debt household, we just think that's sort of the norm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that that can cause problems as well. Ed, you mentioned this earlier in terms of just, uh, you know, finances being a big cause of divorce. Um, what, are, what are some of the tips that you would give? I know you mentioned having that, the guiding principles. Uh, what are some of the other things that you uh, share with the people that you work with, whether it's uh, blended families or not, in terms of just kind of getting your finances in order? I think the idea of begin with the end in mind makes mm-hmm. a ton of sense, right? So again, start with your values, start with what is important to you as a family. And it doesn't, you don't have to be as formal as guiding principles, but you want to get on the same page that saving for retirement is important to both of us. Mm-hmm. Putting money aside for the education of our children, those are important things for us. And then go a little bit further, define that a little bit further. You know, in blended families, it gets a little complicated when it comes to college, right? So yeah. who's going to pay what, who's capable of paying, et cetera. So have those conversations, you know, in your household, and then you can be, have a united front when you're looking outside of your household. Cause that's what often happens. You kind of, you, you're not on the same page. Right. And so it's much easier to tear down that household when you're, you're not on the same page, you know, you're not united. So get on the same page, begin with the end in mind, talk about your goals, again, the things that are meaningful to you. 
So that's more of a, a high level. Mm-hmm. From a practicality standpoint, I think setting up a once a, once a month, maybe you sit down and you go through your finances together. And I don't mean go through your budget in like a line item budget. I have my own thoughts about budgets and how they're not so effective, you know, traditional stereotypes, typical, stereotypical budgets, mm-hmm. but knowing where your money's going generally is a good idea, right? Cause you right. can hold each other accountable. You can talk and talk about it from a positive standpoint. We tend to talk about money in situations like this in a negative way. Like, you know, I caught my husband doing this or I caught my wife doing that, or they're spending money in the wrong way. Well, why not talk about the positive things you're doing with your money first, right? Mm-hmm. Let's talk about we're supporting our retirement goal. We're getting out of debt. We're putting money away for that house. We're doing these positive things with their money. That's why we're doing this, right? Even though it could be painful, it's easier and more fun to spend money than it is to save it, <laughs> right. right? We all know that. Um, but then maybe some other things to do is, is you don't want to take away the other person's sense of independence. And that's where you get a lot of friction, mm-hmm. right? Especially if you have income disparities, right? You know, the, the person who makes the most money sometimes feels like, hey, I make the most money. I have the most saying where that money goes. Right. Now, that's probably not the best way to think about <laughs> it in a partnership, right? I mean, if you're equal partners, right? Um, you know, you want to have a, those conversations about money and share right. those, you know, where those dollars go equally. But it doesn't mean that you have to have a single account where all your money flows into. A lot of people have separate accounts, separate checking accounts. And when you have that, there is the opportunity for for um, hiding money more easily. Mm-hmm. But I think maybe a strategy would be is to have a centralized account where like all the money goes into, okay, this is just a tip, have a, no, all direct deposit, your money goes into a centralized joint account. Mm-hmm. And each of you have your own individual accounts. Mm-hmm. And the money in your, and you just said, hey, we're going to move over, you know, to each individual account, depending upon the situation, just say it's a thousand bucks each per month. Mm-hmm. And then that person can spend that money however they want right. in the confines of what the family needs. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to go in and like criticize their spending. You know, you're not going to go in and look at the other person's line items for their thousand dollars. You're going right. to trust them to do the right thing unless you have a reason not to. Right. So if you're finding that that person's constantly coming back short or they're, you're missing things in the household, you know, that they're missing out on, on some of their responsibilities. Now it fosters a conversation and you can go in and again, go in gently, don't go in guns a blazing, looking to pick a fight. Um, but money's emotional, right? So people oftentimes do that. But I think if you could set up these ground rules, some of it's structure, mm-hmm. like I said, structure, meaning centralized checking account for X dollars to pay all the household bills. Mm-hmm. We each have our own pots of money based upon how we run our household. So I'll give you an example. Like we have that situation in my household, but then we, my wife has a checking account and she tends to, she's a stay at home mom right now. Five kids that's worked out very well for us. (laughs) Uh, But she, so I shouldn't have a say really in how that money gets spent for the household goods, right? Cause I'm not, I'm not cooking, you know, I'm not doing that work. I'm not spending money in that way. So for me to come in and interject and say like, oh, that's not right. That's probably a recipe for, for disaster, right? I'm, right. Not, I'm not really in that position. So I trust her enough. She gets X dollars per month and it just goes into that account and mm-hmm. she uses it to support the family as she sees fit. Mm-hmm. And it works just fine, right? She has a sense of independence. She's not asking me for money. She's not checking in, you know? Right. And if, 
if she overspends that month, then we have a conversation. Is this just a small thing? Was there a party or something like that? Mm-hmm. And we also have a credit card that we use for all other household expenses. And we set sort of a rank and file budget. So let's mm-hmm. say that budget for the month was $2,000 on the credit card, right? So we have one card that we share in essence, right? One account with two mm-hmm. cards and we have a budget per month. And if that number is a thousand a month, 5,000 a month, whatever the number is, we have to keep it below that number. Mm-hmm. And if we exceed it, which honestly with five daughters, we exceed it more often. Than <laughs> Sometimes I- stuff happens. Yeah. Right. I mean, <laughs> way more often than I would like, but we can go back and we can circle back and have a conversation about it. Yeah. And look, if we go into that, and this is how it all kind of ties together, we can look at that credit card statement, like once a month, we can go into it and we could say, was the spending, even if, even though we overspent, let's say Ed overspent by 500 bucks this month on this card, Mm -hmm. I was the culprit, but I used it for one of the things that's on our guiding principles. Then that's more understandable. But if I went out and bought a new set of golf clubs because I was just feeling it. Right. Now that's, you know, there's some accountability there and I have to own up for it. Right. So it just fosters more conversation. It puts some guardrails around things and it, and it works, right? So, cause it's facilitating conversation and communication on a regular basis. And that is the biggest thing that I find is missing in on the financial side when it comes to getting people together is they're just not talking about it. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. And I think that's um, a huge part of it, as you mentioned right at the beginning, is just communicating about it uh, and making sure that you're able to have those conversations. Now, um, before we came on the show, uh, I got you guys a copy of the the Ten Commandments for Blended Families. And I was curious, which of those you see people struggling with as it relates to this topic of finances and financial infidelity? Heather, would you like to speak about that? Sure, Joel. So I think I've said it a few times. I really do think like choosing to believe the best. Mm-hmm. So if you if you are starting to believe that your partner is mismanaging money or their money is becoming an issue, I think you know compassion, in my opinion, is one of the first casualties in a blended family. You start getting hurt by your stepkids, the ex, your spouse, and you lose compassion for them. Right? You start right. to look at them through a more negative lens. So choose to believe the best, and then you know I have to I have to fold in the first one: communicate well and lead with compassion. So you know what, sounds like, um, like when, when Ed was talking, he talked about like if he goes, if he spends over, right? Mm-hmm. So in a traditional family, that might not be as big of a deal. He and his wife have, you know, a good trust foundation, they share the same children. But in a blended family, that can be a little more fractured. Right. And what I've seen happen a lot is, let's say Susie goes to dad and says, you know what, my stepmom is, you know, buying my step siblings clothes and new shoes and I got nothing. Even right. though she did get something, she just didn't get what she wanted, right? Right. Your dad comes to mom, and, you know, or his wife, and says, "Why are you spending all this money on your kids, and my kids getting nothing?" Mm-hmm. Well, she feels attacked. It's not asking a question; it's telling her what she did. Right. Instead yeah. of reacting to that, mm-hmm. I, I coach women. Instead of reacting to your husband, because it's hard. You you just got put on the defense. You right. got accused of something you didn't do. Respond with wow, it sounds like, you know, you're really frustrated. And I would be frustrated too, if I thought that you were choosing to spend money on your kids and not mine. Let me share with you what happened. Right. Are you hearing that? So validate that they're upset. Don't start defending. And then I'd be upset too. And then share the truth and the facts. And I always say that when you're communicating, 
facts to facts and emotion to emotion. So mm -hmm. if you're saying, you know, why didn't you get my daughter the shoes she asked for? And then you respond with, you never think I do anything right. You think I'm terrible. You think I don't love your kid. Right. He's asking a question and you're responding with emotion. Instead say, you know what, if you're open to hearing, I'd like to tell you what happened today, which, which prevented me from going to the store and doing what I said I would do. That's a fact. Right. So what happens sometimes is we start to communicate and we don't communicate well. One person starts with the fact, the other one feels like they've been attacked and they respond with an emotion right. and then it just escalates. Yeah. So communicating, staying on the task, mm -hmm. putting yourself in the other person's shoes mm -hmm. and choosing to believe the best. So I kind of, I, I know that probably is a little confusing, but I kind of like to take one and five and blend them together. <laughs> no, I, I think that's wonderful. I think that's wonderful. Uh, Ed, anything you want to add there? Yeah, well, for me, the model maturity and wisdom stands out. I have five young daughters, right? And so mm -hmm. I come from a household where my mother wasn't able to be around and that had a huge impact on us and our lives, right? So she had this experience of this very negative experience with money and it led her down a certain path in her life. And it was, it's been a hard path. And then I look at my girls and I look at, you know, the household they're growing up in. And I think one of the major ways to teach our children is to model good behavior, be mm -hmm. the example you want them to be, right? So mm -hmm. live it first. We teach, we teach our kids so much just by doing. Mm -hmm. And in, in money, it happens so much. Like there's this thing called money scripts that we develop over time, like our own scripts in our head about money, which are rooted in our childhood. So Heather talked about this. I think you even mentioned this earlier yourself. And we develop these scripts about money, belief systems about money, Mm -hmm. that are rooted in our childhood, even if our parents never sat down and talked to us about money. Right. Right. Yeah. And so we have to understand that. If we understand that, we can model good behavior. We can have mm -hmm. the right conversations. And it's especially important in blended families. When kids don't understand, they can't connect the dots. Mm -hmm. So if, let's say you have this, and this happens all too often, you have sort of the non-moneyed spouse or the person who makes less money. And um, let's just say it's, it's the mom and she's competing with the dad. She's not really competing with the dad, but the dad is lavishing all these gifts on the right. kids. The behaviors that he's modeling, those aren't the behaviors that you want to exhibit, right? You don't want to instill right. those in your kids. And so she's trying to hold it together, but she can't explain to him like, well, he may have all this debt or he's, he's never going to be able to retire. And, you know, we're being responsible. Young kids can't understand that. Right. Even right. teens, teens and adults don't understand that stuff half the time. <laughs> yeah. But if she goes out and she demonstrates good financial behaviors, that will matter to those kids. Mm -hmm. You know, They will understand that. They won't understand it maybe in the moment, but I can tell you from experience, not just my personal experience, but in working with tons of clients over the years, what you see is this, as, as kids move through their life, they get more wisdom, right? They mm -hmm. get smarter, they get greater perspective. And then they look back on those times and they see what their mom did or, or their dad, whatever the case may be, and how they sacrificed and how they were told the right things when they were younger, even though they didn't understand it. Mm -hmm. So you have to have some faith with that, yeah. you know, because it's really easy to get sucked into that game of like, well, I'm going to, you know, it's like um, it just escalates. Mm -hmm. And then it's just mutually assured destruction is what ends up happening. Yeah. And that's just a terrible thing because the kids get caught in the wake. So mm -hmm. that one stands out so much for me. And partially, Enlightened Her was built on this idea of moms 
teaching their daughters because in the world of finance, to be frank, it's not that friendly towards women. Mm. And I'm not saying that the industry is misogynistic and it's on purpose, but the reality is the world of finance grew up in a very male dominated, mm-hmm. grew up very male dominated, right? Because that's who had the money, who went to work. Right. And the industry developed to serve men. Now, as the world has changed and women have certainly asserted their own economic power, but the industry, the language, mm-hmm. everything in terms of how it's built is built on this foundation that was designed to connect with, with men. Mm-hmm. And so when a woman tries to ascertain that knowledge and get more you know, educated on the world of finance, it seems like it's a different language, like it's Mm. speaking on a completely different plane, because in reality, it is, you know, so if we can get to our children, our daughters in particular, not that we don't want to take care of our sons and those types of things as well. But there's a bigger headwind Mm -hmm. for daughters and for women than there are for men. So Mm. again, modeling maturity and wisdom is, um, you know, that was the one that stood out most. Okay. Yeah, I think that's great. And that's a, it's a really interesting point that you made there about um, the way that the financial industry was originally developed and, and how that works. Um, and that's great uh, to remember as well. Like you said, for those of us with daughters, okay, well, that means that we have an even bigger responsibility to help them learn as they get older so that they can step into the world not at a disadvantage in terms of being able to access the information or being able to, um, to, to work in that way. Um, now, as we start to uh, wind up here, what are some of the resources that you guys share or recommend with uh, or to your clients? Well, someone, uh, someone, woman's listening to this today, and they're interested in working with us at Enlighten Her. Mm-hmm. I'd invite, I'd invite them to come to the website. It's enlightenher.com/slash/freshstart. Okay. And there they can uh, sign up for a clarity call. We can kind of have a talk about their money mindset and really help them develop a roadmap to get to a healthy money mindset and to answer any questions in particular too. I'm happy to work with them that might pertain to the dynamics in their blended family, because I think that's one of the, the bonuses that we bring in terms of mentoring women is mm-hmm. that it's not just about the numbers, right? It's about the relationship and that's what's going to go forward. Sure. You know, there's a lot of companies that work on helping people budget and balance and all that, but we help women get a healthy money mindset, right? So they can navigate the complexities of money, especially in blended families or women that mm-hmm. are navigating divorce and then help pass it on to their daughters. So enlightenher.com, uh, if they mm-hmm. go to the slash fresh starts, a great place to go. Okay. Also, it, um, you know, we like, I mean, uh, people can visit me at learning to step, which is where my step family resources are. Okay. And then, uh, you know, we always talk about, I know you ask about, you know, other resources, but I always love to direct women to sisterhood of stepmoms and then mm-hmm. also to, uh, family life blended. Okay. Yeah. That's a great one. Um, and listeners, as always, we will have links to all of these different things, uh, in our show notes today. Um, Ed, anything else that you'd mention there? You know, I don't have any specific resources. Um, I certainly could compile some and, and get them out to you. But um, I did to piggyback on Heather's point is, you know, Enlighten Her was developed for mm-hmm. women, right? For, for women coming to the space pretty much for the first time. And it's really geared towards women who are um, women in transition. Okay. Um, in transition, meaning like they have this a, a major life event that's, you know, upon them, whether they're looking to retire or maybe death and divorce. You know, there's a lot of um, where where this I don't want to call it inequality that may be too strong a word, but where this this uh, 
difference between men's knowledge and about money and and women's knowledge really shows itself in a negative way and puts women at a huge disadvantage is in the divorce arena, mm-hmm. right? Because unfortunately the divorce arena is about kind of pitting one against the other. Yeah. And if the, if the guy's coming at it from a more comfortable place and um, a stronger place, cause maybe he's controlled the, the bigger picture of finances, it really puts the woman at a huge disadvantage, which is why so often we hear about these poor settlements for women, even when they have financial, or I should say a legal representation. So um, I think anything that a woman can do to to get herself to find a foothold Mm -hmm. to get interested in the subject, right? So we can certainly Google a ton of, there's tons of resources out there now. They're becoming more and more prevalent Mm -hmm. as far as like her money's a good source to go to. I think just the big big firms like um, in the Wall Street Journal certainly has plenty of stuff if you go into you know, if you could search within their space, New York Times. But I think more basic than that is for women to start to, to pay more attention to this and realize it is important. Mm-hmm. And even if you don't know enough to, you know, um, know specific questions to ask, right? Because oftentimes you don't know what you don't know. Right. Start in your own backyard. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, sit down with your husband. And, and if he's more involved in the finances, Ask him to walk you through what you're, you know, what he's working on with it. Take an mm-hmm. interest at home, mm. figure out some things that you have a question on, and then go do some research. Because you can just type in financial planning for women or women in money, and you're going to get mm. all kinds of hits, mm-hmm. but it's not going to be meaningful to you. But if you said, what is this, um, what is a 401k? How does it work? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, why is this important? What's a 529 plan? I heard this for college for my kids. I really don't understand it. Mm-hmm. No, or why does it feel like we're, you know, we're in debt all the time? So it gives them a, a point of entry into the world of finance, a very specific point of entry to start your research. And mm-hmm. then very quickly, you'll find your female friendly voices. Just add, mm-hmm. you know, four women at the end of whatever your search is mm-hmm. on that subject. And it's going to help guide you. And you're going to find the right voices because the thing about money is it is very personal. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, Susie Orman is a very big name in the space, you know, champion for women and money in general, but she doesn't connect with a certain audience. She connects very well with some, some people and she's very off-putting to others, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm always a little hesitant to put out specific names for that reason. So yeah, I can uh, understand that. Yeah. So start with okay. the, a point of entry and then, um, you know, find your voice, your people. Okay. Um, now, last couple of things as we start to wrap up here. I know that you mentioned, um, Heather, specifically about learning to step and the sisterhood of stepmoms. Um, what are the best ways for our listeners to get in touch with you guys, uh, whether it's to ask questions about blended family specific finances or just financial planning in general? Are there uh, other places that you would direct them other than um, what you've mentioned already? So they can email me directly at your money mentors at enlightenher.com. Mm-hmm. It's a direct link to me and I will respond to every email. They can also just go to enlightenher.com and we have a, a couple different ebooks and things that you can download, sign up for our newsletter and that'll, that'll keep you in touch and give you some really good information. That website, Joel, is just chocked full of good, solid pieces of resources for women and money. And so, you know, pour yourself a cup of coffee, whatever your favorite beverage is, and a woman could really get lost in that website, but it's really <laughs> A lot of good information and you know i i know that we're, we're wrapping it up but 
it is important to understand your money. And, you know, mm -hmm. we see this too, and I don't want to go into another, uh, in a, a different direction, but you've got to protect yourself and your kids mm -hmm. and your family. And we see this a lot recently with sudden deaths where, mm -hmm. um, wills aren't done and someone dies and then the stepkids aren't taken care of, or the biological mm -hmm. kids aren't taken care of. And so those are conversations that you have to have with your spouse. And if you're listening to this right now and you're like, uh, it probably means you have a money avoidance issue mm -hmm. and you're not alone. That used to be me <laughs> getting healthy and being able to talk about those things because unfortunately they happen. Right. And if you don't plan ahead and you don't have those conversations, you can't go back in time and you right. can't do what's been done. And so it's really important. So we cover those things that enlighten her. So it's just a great resource for women. And like I said, you can email me there and Ed can share some other ways too that, that you can contact us. Okay. Yeah, I mean, as far as contacting me directly, I would say reach out to evargo at burningriverag.com. Okay. And so Burning River is the financial planning company. There's a difference between financial planning and financial coaching. So Enlighten Her is more about financial coaching. Think of it as someone who's getting started, maybe has a single issue, um, starting out in the space, right? So financial planning is much more involved. This is somebody mm -hmm. who says, I really need one-on-one -on -one support with a licensed professional to help me actively plan for my retirement, actively plan for these other goals, or just to understand this world of finance. And I'm, I have the financial resources and the need to right. step into that space. So, um, and there's plenty of stuff there for women in general um, as well. Our business is primarily focused on working with women, like I said, mm -hmm. going through a life transition. And we didn't talk about this, but another thing to consider for couples trying to come together and work on this, if you mm -hmm. can't do it yourself, it's too heated. A financial coach is a wonderful resource. Mm -hmm. I got to okay. tell you, they can step in, guide the conversation, diffuse where needed, give exercises and make that experience a positive one mm -hmm. because- a lot of people are uncomfortable talking about money. Right. It is emotional. They're doing it for the first time. And just like anything you do for the first time, how likely are you to get it right? Right. So, you know, I highly encourage people to hire a financial coach or to at least have a sit down, have a, a call, find mm -hmm. out what that looks like and see if you can like accelerate and move up that learning curve far faster and more effectively by having somebody sort of mediate that conversation. Okay. Yeah. I love that. I appreciate it. Again, listeners, all of those, uh, the email addresses, all the links they've mentioned, the different resources, all of those will be in the show notes. So I encourage you uh, strongly check those out. Make sure you go look at the Enlighten Her uh, website. Again, it was enlightenher.com slash fresh start uh, is the one that Heather mentioned. So make sure you check those things out. Um, any final thoughts from you guys before we, uh, before we wrap up? You know, I just want to thank you for having us. And I'm going to piggyback a little bit on what Ed said. I have found in working with women and couples, when they can learn how to communicate about money, mm -hmm. they can translate those tips and tools to talk about the kids and mm -hmm. the ex and the in-laws. Because while we have a relationship with money, it's not a person, right? right. It can't necessarily say something mean or hurt us. So sometimes money can be that neutral thing that a husband and wife can come together and learn healthy communication skills to talk about, get on the right page, and then take those skills and apply it to other areas of their life. And they can build on that foundation. Mm -hmm. 
I love that. And I think you're exactly right. Um, because like you said, money's one of those topics that's just hard to discuss sometimes, but if we can start there, it's going to make everything else a little bit easier, both because we have those conversation tools and because maybe we can relieve some of that tension that the money, uh, is, is allowing us to have there. Um, so awesome. reach out to us. Yeah, absolutely. Listeners, please do that. Ed, Heather, thank you both for coming on the show. Uh, I know I learned a lot. Listeners hopefully did as well. Um, anything, uh, anything we can do for you guys on our end, let us know, but thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Appreciate yeah. it. Absolutely. Listeners, again, make sure you go check out their resources, especially at enlightenher.com. And make sure you tune in next week for another episode of 10 CBS, a podcast for blended families. In the meantime, walk worthy and Godspeed. Thanks again for listening to this week's episode of 10 CBF, a podcast for blended families. If you feel this was helpful, please subscribe and then like and share the interview. If you'd like to contact me directly, feel free to reach out through the show's website on Anchor or via social media. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn, and I'd love to hear from you. Last, if you'd like a free copy of any of my blended family resources, be sure to check out my website at stepdadding.com. In the meantime, walk worthy and Godspeed to you and your blended family.